0: Here we are again at The Aggressive Life, the place that is meant to push you, the place that is meant to take you to a new place, the place is meant to cause you to look inside of yourself, look outside of yourself, look at things, do things. That's what The Aggressive Life is about, and today we're talking personality quizzes. Personality quizzes—you know—they're all—they're all the rage right now. And I got to tell you, I'm not a fan. Generally, I'm not a fan. Hey, take this short questionnaire, and we'll be able to to give you an in, hidden insight into your, into your life that's going to change your life. Suddenly, everything comes into focus when you're an ENTJ, right? Or an Eight Wing Seven, or a Fire Element, or a D with a high C. Eh, wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I think self-discovery is great. I'm I'm all for it. If a personality type helps you do that, then it can be a useful tool. But here here here's what I don't like. I don't like how there's so many people who are anal gazers. Anal gazers? No, not anal gazers, <laughs> navel gazers. If you can gaze at your anal, at your anus, you're you're an impressive flexible specimen, not not anal gazers. Do not not stare at that part of your or anyone else's anatomy, please. (laughs) What I don't like is navel gazing, just this constant thing of, ooh, I found that out. Ooh, I found that about myself. Ooh, isn't that interesting? I meet a lot of people who are in perpetual self-discovery, but they don't actually do what they've discovered. It doesn't actually cause them to move on anything. And therefore, for many people, these tests becomes another passive endeavor in how to improve your life. Finding out more about yourself does not improve your life. Now, if you find out something about your life that enables you to live your life in a more potent way, then that improves your life, and that's aggressive. An ancient proverb from the Bible says, Know well the condition of your flocks. We mostly think about this in terms of leading other people, but there's another layer here. The most important person you'll ever lead is yourself. You can't lead people to where you haven't already gone, and you've got to know yourself in order to lead yourself. 2020 was a, a weird year, and there's so many things that you and I could not control, but there is something you can't control. It is actually yourself. You can control. I I know that sounds wild and crazy, but you really can control yourself. I know people don't think they can. I'm just being who I am. No, you can really control yourself. You can control your mind. You can control your emotions. You can control your actions. Today in the studio, I've got a good friend of mine. Name is Nick, known to me as Nick Spiker. (laughs) That's his name, Nick Spiker. Like the greatest action hero name, Nick Spiker. Nick Spiker. Nick is an accomplished businessman. He's currently serving as the vice president of the Kroger team at Harvest Group, but we're not going to talk business today. We're here for the, get ready for it, folks, the Enneagram. Yes, Nick is an Enneagram guru or Enneagram geek, depending on how you look at it. The Enneagram is right now probably the most popular personality typing tool around. People are using it. People are talking about it. I haven't really been all that into it at all, but um, I've actually found it fairly helpful because of my talks with him in a group that we're in. There's some interesting insights, so I thought, let's let's bring Nick in here. He helps a lot of people through this process. We're going to try to help you today here on The Aggressive Life. Welcome, Nick Spiker.
1: I love that nickname, obviously, and uh, this has been a journey to get here. I feel like I first talked to you about the Enneagram uh, three years ago. And for the last three years, you've done nothing but make fun of me for talking about the Enneagram.
0: So <laughs> That's my love language. <laughs> One of my love languages is verbal abuse. Uh, so, yeah. I feel
1: like you might be like uh, the coach. Like, if Brian stops making fun of you, that's when you should get worried. So uh, <laughs> the fact that you're making fun of me, I still feel like we're making some progress.
0: So. We, are, we are making fun, uh, No question. Let's uh, do the— uh, I don't know, agree, disagree, anything I've said so far that you disagree with? No, actually, uh,
1: completely agree. So I think as we get into this, the risk of any personality test is to use it to validate bad behavior. So we'll talk through each of these types. And if you hear something, you're like, oh, that's why I do that. That's why I bulldoze people. That's why I have this tendency. That's just validation of bad behavior. So hopefully what we get to today is, and what I like about the Enneagram, it talks through levels of health and unhealth. And so it's easy to focus on those areas of health. Like, oh, yeah, that's just how I am. But if, if we can talk the red flags of how people identify when they're slipping into an area of unhealth, that's where real progress starts to happen.
0: I think that's when I started to have, a, have my ship turn on this is um, Nick led the group of men I get together with weekly through this exercise. And uh, I actually found it very helpful. And, and specifically and especially when, he, when you were describing – how someone of my type would respond to COVID-19. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that nailed me completely and totally nailed me. So we're we're not just going to talk philosophically about the Enneagram today. I want to give everybody handles. That's That's my thing. Handles for if you are this, then you're probably doing that. If you're doing that, here's something to think about and recharging your batteries, understanding all the losers who aren't like you, all, all that kind of stuff. It's It's been really helpful for me.
1: If we don't have fun today, then we're not doing it right. Because I think that's the one thing that I feel like people with personality tests, they, they take it so seriously.
0: And yet, uh, so yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll have some fun while we do this. So the Enneagram, one of the things that is advantageous to it is it is a very... Old ancient thing, right? Give us the history of this thing. Yeah. So,
1: uh, depending on where you read and and the Enneagram uh, specialists out there, it'd be lots of debates, lots of Reddit threads you can read. A lot of ancient wisdom um, tied into this. The foundational basis is this idea that all of us, through DNA and life experience, have some foundational element that happened. And this would be in the 202 course something that happened in our childhood and a moment, an experience, an event that really sunk in and started to change our personality. And you take that plus your life's experiences, and that's the person you are today. Uh, in Enneagram theory, they call it the childhood wound. There's a childhood wound that happens that, su- that suddenly that is something that as you dive in, you say, oh, that's why I seek approval. Something happened the way I was parented.
0: Plus your your life's experiences kind of show who you are as a person today. Interesting. I did not know that, that level of it. We haven't got into that. So- it's not DNA. It's a a wound and your life experiences.
1: Combination of everything. So you would say you can look at. I can look at my mom and dad and say there's certain elements of my personality I get from my mom certain elements I get from my dad, but also I can look back at the way I was raised, the way I was parented. Some people have, you know, uh, whether positively or negatively, a traumatic experience in their childhood that changed the course of their personality, and then they have life experiences that have built on top of that. And so for when in this idea of self-discovery, that's where you start to dig into, like, what is it that made you who you are today? Certainly DNA is a part of that, and then life experiences make up how you see the
0: world. And when did you start geeking out on this?
1: So uh, about three years ago, the company I work for, um, we went through a major transformation and the leader of our company um, introduced to us to our leadership team. And believe it or not, I had the exact same reaction you did. Like, I'm not taking another personality test. I really don't love personality tests. And so... Yeah, because I take
0: personality tests and they all come with the same. It just says, Jesus. Yeah, that's good, because that, that, that's exactly what I am. Uh, yes, they yeah, all yeah, say, I'm not supposed to yeah. get a number I took the Enneagram, it just said, Jesus. Yeah, I think we talked about,
1: there's there's no perfect Enneagram <laughs> number except yeah. your number. Yes. Uh, so uh, I know that. And so I remember where I was when I sat down and we'll talk about resources in a book called Road Back to You by Ian Cron. I felt seen and I didn't feel validated in my bad behaviors. Like, oh yeah, that's why I am why I am. I felt like there were some weaknesses in my personality for the first time that someone put words to. And so for us at our company, it's become the language of our company almost to a fault, literally meeting, sit down and like, well, so me as an Enneagram seven, the way I heard you say that you as a nine, the way that you heard me say that it's, that's how conversations go. And so as I started to see it impact my work. Then it became how can I have this impact my marriage, and so my my wife has taken it. And so about three years ago is kind of when we we started this journey.
0: So go ahead, give us the give us the macro overview. What are the numbers? Yeah. What are they? Yada yada.
1: Yeah. So yeah. nine types uh, on the Enneagram. Again, the the shape, the geometric shape of a circle, three triangles. Start at the top uh, at the nine and go around. And so I thought uh, if it's up to you, maybe we go through each type, do a bit of a. Twitter level analysis of each type. And and, um, we'll start with the one. uh, And the one is uh, considered the perfectionist or the uh, improver. And so if you think about that, one is the person in your life who at the end of a presentation, uh, different elements in the room, people in the room would say like, oh, that was really good. The one's going to be like, I got some questions. I got some things I want to improve on. And so they're the perfect, they they tend to be very diligent, very disciplined. And the one thing that people might not know about a one is they tend to be very social justice oriented. They want things to be right. They want things to be fair. And so that's one of those things you'll say like, what's driving a one? It's really that desire for perfection and desire for fairness and justice in the world. So when we talk about anal gazing, <laughs> this would be the number one. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be correct. Yes. It's not on my notes, but that, that would be that would okay. be perfect. Yeah, very rational, idealistic. Uh, can tend to drift into that workaholism because they just you know you want them to turn that paper in and they want to keep working on it until it's perfect. All right, perfect. number two. Number two is your helper. So, uh, if you're listening, if you don't uh, if you don't have a number two around you, get a number two around you. These people are the folks that. When, you, when something is needed, they jump in to help immediately. Uh, they are selfless. They are constantly taking on the burdens of others. The watch out for a two is they are often putting the burdens of others before their own. They're the people who are working late at night because they spent the day helping other people. And so two is, is the helper, and we'll dive a little bit more into that. Okay, three. Three is the achiever, uh, so three is your your kind of type A personality. Sets a goal, accomplishes it. Uh, they can be image conscious. Uh, the, the The core statement of a three is, "I will be successful or look it at all cost." Their risk is to be exposed as a fraud. Uh, they want to be, people to see them as successful, uh, and so they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that that happens. Four. The four is the creative, so uh, the co- the core identity of a, a four is to be unique. They want to be felt as unique and creative. They need to be given uh, experiences that are their own and then left to go create. You don't want to micromanage a four. You want to let them, hey, here's what we need done. It's up to you to figure it out and bring it. A lot of artists, musicians, comedians come back as fours. Five. Five is your analyst. So uh, typically your person there who's an independent thinker, uh, loves to be behind spreadsheets, deep into hobbies. So uh, your 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 threes, your sevens, we're going to have a lot of hobbies. It's kind of life as a buffet. Fives have two or three deep hobbies. The the person who knows everything about that their ho- the hobby that they're in, they're very logic-driven, tend to be engineers. Uh, if you ask uh, a five to give you the answer, they're going to tell you how they got to the answer when you just want the answer. So that's, that's the five. Six. Six is your loyalist. And so uh, what that means is typically sixes tend to be high skeptics. They have a lot of questions. They have a lot of concerns. They can be uh, fairly anxious, but that anxiety is really driven by they want someone they trust to answer the questions that they have and once they have those questions answered by someone they trust they're all in. And once they're a, once a 6 is all in on something they're all in on that for life. If they trust a 6 trusts you you are, you have their
0: trust for life. 7.
1: 7 my, my my type is uh, the enthusiast. So the core statement of a seven is life is a buffet. Let's eat it all. Uh, they do not. They are fleeing boredom. They are fleeing being told what to do. They want a different thing every day. You put a seven down and say, do the same thing for an extended period of time. You will lose them. They've got to be changing up. Your sevens might always be the ones who are late to the meetings because they're running back to back to back to back because they slammed their schedule because they just wanted to have fun. I always say the core statement of a seven uh, a seven, when they wake up in the morning, looks at the calendar and says, what's fun today? Uh, and if there's nothing fun, they're going to find some fun. Eight. Eight is the challenger. Uh, so the challenger is typically a lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders, eights. Uh, they're the highly confident, um, highly aggressive, a person of much competence. Um, they, they are chasing after big moves. So your eights, tend again, in that CEO level They're making big strategic moves. When stress comes, their their, um, tendency is not to get into the details. It is to make a big strategic move. They're driven by change, driven by challenge. They embrace conflict. Eights want people around them who will have conflict with them. They actually can sniff out people pretty quickly who they try to have conflict who don't like that conflict. And they'll almost park them on the side and say, not for me. I want somebody who can embrace the conflict.
0: No surprise <laughs> I am an eight. you are not yeah. you 're not just distra- trying to describe me there you You would have said that no matter what podcast you were on that 's right nine
1: nine is the peacemaker. God love nines so nines are the folks who just want it to be peaceful in the room. They want there to be no disaccord between you and me. if they see tension in the world we 'll talk about twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one My goodness, nines felt that because it's nothing but tension. It's nothing but discord. And so nines are awesome if you can get them to engage. And so like a nine wing eight, not to get too deep, is great at conflict. Nines also are great consigliaries for eights. So if you as an eight, if you can get a trusted nine around you, when you walk into a room and you, you walk out and everybody in the room is like, holy moly. Brian just like ram shot through that, this meeting, just told it, like, boom, 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 boom. If you have a trusted nine to walk up at, to you afterwards like, hey, I think you might need to go back in and, and correct some things. If you trust that person, that's going to be a nine who's going to say, hey, let's let's level set things here and get, get peace made. So they're the peacemaker.
0: You told me that the most widespread number was a six. six. Yeah. Now, this is when it gets really interesting for me because I hate to break, keep bringing up 2020. 2020 I, is over. 2020 is interesting to talk about because it was a high-stress environment where things broke, and when things break, you can learn something about something, right? And engineers mm. put engines through labs intentionally trying to break the engine to see where the weak area is. Well, our, our country broke. Some of us had an amazing 2020, but 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 2020 broke our country, and you gave me your take on the sixes yeah. being the majority uh, sixes you, you you believe the six is the majority of the population.
1: Yeah, some would say it's up to fifty percent of the population test at least as a high six. And so you know, one of the things um as you're as folks are taking a test like this, it's easy to identify as a number. I'm an eight, I'm a seven. My, as we take teams through this, it's really to look at the full personality. So for you, as we've talked, you've got a high eight, you've got a high seven, but you also have a high three and you have a high one. And so looking at that full spectrum of personality, so folks might not identify as a six, but they have a high six. And some of the challenges of that, when everything is broken around you, when in 2020 society seems to be crumbling, if you have a little bit of anxiety in you, if you test as a high six or just as a human, take the number away, if suddenly the skepticism rises with everything that went on in 2020, um, the, the, the skepticism of institutions, of government, of churches rises. If you don't have anyone around you who you trust to ask questions, and when you ask questions, you're met with, that's a great question. I don't have all the answers to that. Sixes just want to know that you're giving them all the information. I think one of the things that you and I talked about is how do leaders lead an organization that might be full of sixes or people who have a high six through times of change like 2020 and certainly into 2021, if you're not giving those folks all the information, if they don't go to bed at night saying, management, leadership, my boss is giving me all the information. And when I ask a question I'm not met with, get in the boat. You know, sixes are the folks on the side of the boat. If you're going on a canoe trip and they're going to be asking you like, hey, um, how big are the waves? Uh, When's lunch? What if I fall in? Again, when's lunch and how big are the weights? <laughs> like over and over again. And if you're like, just get in the boat.
0: But they also have a high fear factor, you said.
1: A high fear factor when not surrounded by people they trust. So as a, again, as a leader, as a spouse, if your spouse is a six and all of a sudden everything is changing around them, sitting down
0: and saying like, I hear you. Folks, this is really important to understand. I'm not saying that we uh, everything that the country has done in response to COVID uh, is not warranted. I wore a mask coming in here. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to second guess everything that's happened, but for those of us who are still scratching our heads going, how do we come this far? And have we overreacted a little bit when half of the country is a six and fear and order and control. And by fear, I don't mean fear that's necessarily negative, fear, order, control. This is your elementary teacher's. You want your elementary to be a little bit fearful that you that Johnny doesn't run with a sharp pencil and <laughs> poke out his eye. You want you want your accountants to be controlling the numbers and making sure you're not doing something wrong. But when you have 50% of the population that's around fear, order control, and uh, 50% of the population is maybe married to other people who don't have that, but they gotta defer to their other half. If you feel like we're overreacting sometimes. You can't lead a culture away from where the vast majority of the people are.
1: And it's all about interacting and knowing those people. So you and I talked early on in the pandemic, you as an eight, your desire under stress is to go big big strategy, big change. And so one of the things that we, and we can talk about that you felt was kind of stripped away for you was this like, what do I do? People are you're being told just to stay in your house. And so you as a leader, just step in and go, all right. I remember it was after I think you had a meeting it was like, I just cast vision. Here's where we're going. We're changing everything. We're doing all this. And you were like, I felt the fear in the room. I was like, well, if there's 50% of that room is a six, what they really wanted someone to do is sit down and be like, I hear you. Now you've got to do as a leader, you've got to say, we are going, We are going somewhere, but knowing that the people in the room might have a different lens than you, big strategy, big change might be a bit of a driving anxiety, is the help of just knowing the people in the room to say, okay, I cast vision, and then the follow-up step is to sit down and say, what questions do you have? What information can I give to you to help you get in the boat?
0: Yeah, our... First crossing of the Rubicon was being in a leadership meeting, and we were just wrestling: how real is the COVID thing? How not real is it? What do we need to do? And it just kind of dawned on us the meeting: out. Oh, this is real. We need to, we need to have people not meeting in cubes and open workspaces. And I just, we, I walked through the offices and just gathered all of our st- staff up. We went to a room, and I, I gave a kind of a rallying speech around um, basically the early church was not afraid in the midst of leprosy. Hmm. And we are not confined to buildings. We're not confined. to the, It was actually very, uh, it was very motivational. I heard that from everybody. They're like really like, it was like, a, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, as a as a eight, I was casting vision. This yes. we're going now. I didn't know what was going to happen after that, but I would need to reset. The fear wasn't in the room that day because everyone got their vision, or, but it, it started creeping up. And, and again, by fear, I I'm not using that as a loaded negative yeah, term, but yeah. the, the, the caution the, the, that just started to seep in, in the weeks, months ahead. And it's hard to have a forum to really speak to that when you're on a Zoom call.
1: Yeah, you're right. Fear, anxiety, skepticism can be negative terms. It's really concern. A lot of times with all of the numbers, and again, taking some of the numbers aside, humans, it's really more concern for others and concern for my well-being. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have a job? Is my job going to be impacted? Where are we going? And that's where, again, as a leader to sit down and say, just ask me, give me all the questions. Come on, like bring it on. I'll give you all the information I have. And the stuff I can't answer, I'm just going to tell you I can't. I don't have that information.
0: And that's where you're starting to settle that fear a little bit. I really wish we could just just dig into, like, one or two of these types and help our listeners. We can't do that, unfortunately. I want you to give something for everybody, yeah. a help. But let, let's just do a little deeper dive on my type. Yeah. Because I know some of the things you might say. And we probably have a higher percentage of people who are my type who would opt into – an aggressive life podcast. Yes. Yeah. than something else and probably other people with organizations where there is an eight. So let's do, let's do a bit of a deeper dive like, okay, these are some of the, this, this helps you understand how to deal with stress. This helps you understand what your future should look like. This helps you understand how you interpret data. This, let's do some yeah. of that on the, and then we'll do it to a, a smaller degree on the other numbers. Yeah.
1: Um, so hopefully I'm a lot, freedom yeah. to to um, po- Poke at me, criticize
0: freely. me, yeah, all that stuff. So
1: uh, what I know of you, I said high eight, remember that's a challenger with a seven wing. We haven't talked wings but just call it high seven, which is the enthusiast. Also high three, the achiever. And you do have some high one, that perfectionist improver. And so I think what we'll do is we go through this a little bit about you, but also you and I've talked a lot about how do you lead other types. And so maybe that, that'll be helpful. Yeah. But so that high eight, again, the challenger, really driven by big strategic action. Uh, they're highly loyal. So my, I think what I know about you is you, um, have you, you know a lot of people. You're obviously widely connected. You have a small inner circle. Eights have a small inner circle of people that they are loyal to and they trust. And those people, they will do anything for. Think of like the, the protective father is a bit of the, the image that I think of. Like my guess is you think about your kids, like you will kill for your kids. You will kill for the people around you who you trust. And so that's that that eight, that high eight. You're also a challenger. I know you're not afraid of conflict. In fact, you you embrace it. You can tell me if I'm, I'm wrong on
0: any of this. No, I I just, I'll just affirm you talking here. First of all, they're the loyalist thing. I hadn't thought about that, but it's not just my inner circle, which I have one. It's also people of my day job crossroads. I just got a a critical email um, just the other day. The guy didn't like things I said about the uh, protest riots at the Capitol building, but I knew the guy, he's been around crossroads for 20 some years. I married him and his wife. That guy's not going to tell me anything that's going to make me think he's a jerk. Mm. That guy's, I, I you know, like, it's obviously he's in on me, and I haven't seen him with my own eyes for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. But I was like, I, I received that email entirely different than I would have anybody else. So that is about trust. Right. And so um, right. threes,
1: again, uh, the achievers, tend to be people who, when they meet, people, uh, automatic trust. You don't have to earn the trust of a three. Eights... You have to earn their trust. It takes time. You've got to build kind of repetition to be trusted. They have a general tendency to put people in a negative trust position. Once an eight trusts someone, that trust is almost impossible to break because you've become fiercely loyal to them. Whereas threes, they kind of assume trust. I meet somebody, I'm high three. I immediately trust that person, but it's also easy to break. As soon as they do something like, oh, now I'm distrustful. Whereas you are, you take time to trust people, but once you do... You're fiercely loyal. The other thing you've already mentioned was
0: conflict. Gosh, yesterday, the last couple of days, I've lost my freaking mind. I mean, just freaking, <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh. I've, I've been in a couple meetings where I'm just going, man, there's stuff around the thing that I leave my day job that are just downright broken and I am not happy about it. And I am, and I am, I am on a war path. I'm, I'm an, on an utter and complete war path. And in those meetings, when I'm with those folks, I now I now know myself enough and I tell those folks, they look, I'm going to say this really clearly and really strongly. And I'm not saying this because I want you to like cower in the corner in fear and just go along to get along. I'm saying this because I want to be so abruptly clear with what I think that I want to give you the permission to shoot it down. You'll know exactly where I am. And if you don't like it, great. Let's talk about that. The gift of an eight. Yeah, I, I, I have zero problems, zero problems. When someone disagrees and I actually have zero problem when I'm intense and I'm and someone gives me a new data point that I didn't have, like I, I turn on a dime. Like, it just goes away immediately. It's mark, like, ah, oh, I didn't know that.
1: The mark of an eight and you happen to have a very low nine. So that peacemaker is really low in you. So what that means is you desire conflict. You want people to push. And uh, often an unhealthy, we talk about levels of health and unhealth. an unhealthy eight, meaning insecure, um, maybe um, feeling like they're not doing their job and they're just kind of trying to bow their back to, to, to make up for what they're feeling, sense of insecurity, doesn't want challenge. And will actually re- react negatively to challenge. You desire challenge. That, that high eight, low nine is like, tell me. Tell me I'm wrong. I want to have conflict isn't the right word. Challenge to make myself better. That's more your high three. So that high achiever, the job needs to get done and it has to get done with excellence. So Your, your, your combination 3-1, that, that excellence that you have, you, you, and having been around you, are a high improver. You can look at something and say, that needs to be better there. Now, the area we haven't talked about is your wing 7. So you as an 8 can either be a 7 wing or a 9 wing, and it's whichever you score higher on the test. However, just to be clear, it doesn't mean you have that tendency for you. It does for me. It doesn't. So I I'm a a three wing two or a seven wing eight. I don't, I don't have a lot of eight. Like I don't, I've kind of learned it throughout my life. So I have a high seven, high three, but the wings are your next highest score. And the numbers on either side of you Yours just happened to be your two highest scores are eight and seven. And remember that seven is the enthusiast. And, and really what that seven is all about, having fun. The two things I mentioned earlier, that seven is fleeing boredom. The, a bored seven is incredibly dangerous. I actually say, not to stereotype, but a bored seven male is really dangerous. They, they, they Adultery are, city.
0: Gluttony. Porn- pornography addiction. So, gluttony. The, right. the,
1: each, each number has a uh, core sin underneath it, and the, the core sin of a seven is gluttony. And so as a seven, I feel that. And we talked about what does 2020 do? When you suddenly find yourself at home all the time, where Monday feels like Tuesday, feels like Friday, feels like Saturday, and there's nothing that differentiates that for months at a time, a seven will find a way to create fun. And it's either healthy. There's some. I mean, again, these are some of the things I've learned through my my self discovery. You have to find healthy ways. How do we get around friends? Zoom happy right. hours, or unfortunately some unhealthy ways. And so you as a seven, you desire fun. I mean, if anybody knows you, that's that's like, how can I have some fun? And when we talked early in the summer, when you were feeling kind of what's happening, it was that as an eight, it was like, what what am I doing in my job to move big things? And felt like nothing. We're in this like stagnant state. Seven was taken away from you. It was like, what am I doing? It's fun. I'm just, I'm just at home. And then you have a high three. Threes are really driven by words of affirmation. So threes need somebody to be like, Brian, you're doing an incredible job. Man, you're doing it. All- that sermon Sunday was incredible. You're killing it. And when all of that is stripped away, yeah.
0: danger's on. Well, and I don't even necessarily need someone to tell me the sermon was awesome. But when you're on stage in a live group of people. You can see their face. That's right. Go, oh, okay, right. okay, yeah. it's working here. I, I don't know it's working. I'm just speaking to a camera, and that's going a few days later. At least it was for a, a period of that.
1: And you're widely adept at that. I've seen you from stage or from a small group be like, ah— I don't think this is going well. Let me shift or I'm not. I'm, so you're, you're really sensitive to the feedback that you're getting in the room. And so uh, they say threes don't need to be. They need to be affirmed, but they really need to be admired. And that's something threes don't often admit. They want people to admire them for their success. Like, oh, my gosh, look at that guy He's, or that woman.
0: She's successful. That, that's that desire of a three. So survival and thriving tips for someone who is an eight. You just mentioned some of them. Um, make sure you got something fresh and stimulating that you're dealing with. Make sure you got people around you who can tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand you're you're prone to destructive behavior. Um, some of that stuff, right? Anything else for for big, for, for eights? You got it.
1: The, the podcast is called The Aggressive Life. I hear you talk about it all the time. As an eight, make a move. Whatever, Find an area in your life that you can make a big move against. Again, it feels like we're all stuck in the stagnancy, still in some version of quarantine. There has to be a place, whether it's a hobby— with your kids, make an aggressive move, and that—that's that, that's that big action. You're
0: saying that's only for eights?
1: No, I don't actually. Not, I everybody, okay. we'll talk through if we, you know, kind of each of the as a nine. You know, I'm just throwing
0: out an example because the nines almost feel like the opposite of the eight, that peacemaker. So let's do nine next, and yeah. then do one through seven. Yeah. And again, we can't go into that much depth, yeah. but but just give us some like, here's what you do if you're this. Yeah, nine. Talk,
1: it's like, think about what 2020 has caused a lot of unhealth, and so I'll kind of come at this from what is uh, if if a number is in unhealth. So as a nine, the default under unhealth of a nine is to move into sloth. That's the the core sin, if you will, use that language of a nine is if they get overwhelmed or they, with fear and anxiety, they just go into sloth and they do nothing. So for nine, it's the same thing as an eight. It's take action. Now for a nine, it's first get in touch. You gotta like identify your feelings. Be like, oh, my feelings matter. Nines often default to thinking their feelings don't matter. They say like, oh, everyone What's knows?
0: the driver driver of nine again? Nine is what? what peacemaker. Kind of per- peacemaker. So what they'll
1: do is they'll put yeah. your peace above their own. They'll say, if I can just make Brian happy, okay. it doesn't really matter if I'm happy. So the first thing is sick. It matters that I'm happy. And that I, I'm important, and then I'm going to do something that makes me happy. So if you're a nine, you're tending to sloth. You're like, Gosh, I haven't gone out of the house in a couple of days. I'm going to bed at eight thirty. Do like, take action on something that makes you happy, not someone else. Sounds selfish, but it's going to be helpful for your self discovery.
0: Hey, let's do this. I, 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 we're going to do something different here. Uh, I, we always do the lightning round at the end. It just crossed my mind. Maybe to help us with these things, why don't we do the lightning round right now, and then we'll go back into, into where one is. You got it. Or just be, give people more handles in their mind beyond just numbers. I love it. Okay, so lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Nick Spiker. I couldn't be more ready. Don't look at any freaking notes. There's no <laughs> notes here. This is, it's just you flying blind. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm going to give know. you a name. I'm going to give you a name that everyone knows, and you're going to give us, it's like two sentences. It's their number, and why they are that number. All right. Okay. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker,
1: I would say, is a one. So Luke, think about it, He's always searching after justice. Every time there, there's a scene in any of the Star Wars where something he's seen is not right, ones want to be seen as right, if he's ever seen as not right or not doing the right thing, there's
0: fear. So, Luke, I am your father. Now, Actually, I think that's Tommy Boy more than, <laughs> more than that was Darth Vader. So let's see. If, if, <laughs> if you've been, what do you think Darth Vader is? Uh, uh, gosh.
1: Um, high challenge. I guess it's an eight? Yeah. Oh, okay. You All can right. find this. Uh, lots of debate about that. On George the Washington. So I love this one. George Washington. I went in thinking George Washington. I would have said eight. Hey, this is the lightning round. You're doing, too,
0: you're doing too many like, <laughs> oh, I like this. <laughs> I, no, a
1: lightning round. Chop, chop. George Washington. High, high challenge. I appreciate it. George Washington is a three. Because? Because um, if you think about it, actually, one, his image, he was very image conscious. He was always ordering stuff from Britain to make sure he looked like a general before he was a general. Eights are very decisive. They make it, give me the information, decisive. If you look it back at a lot of the history of the Revolutionary War, he was leaning on Nathaniel Green and others to make decisions for him, to give the input and then make the decision. Early on in the war, he was very indecisive. Now, he end up making the right decisions, but... Eights to make a decision right away. Threes seek the counsel of others to make a decision. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. One wing two. So seeking, again, that justice, wanting to make the world a better place. She was on a mission anytime she's to make the world a better place. But also remember that two is that helper. So she was leaning in to help anytime
0: she could. Kanye.
1: Good one. So we talked about that creative four, the creative, a lot of creatives uh, are, are fours. But Kanye has that wing five. I and mean, we haven't done a ton on wings, but he has that five wing, which is that analyst. They tend to be introverts. They want to be unique. But if nothing else defines Kanye, it's his desire to be unique and creative as a four.
0: Vincent van Gogh
1: flip Kanye. So Van Gogh was more analyst and then creative. Think about like what he was able to paint was broken down into micro engineered, logical piece by piece. Dude, you're
0: unbelievable. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing your names and you like, you have a, you have very insightful stuff like pulling out of your anus. This is, uh, uh pulling the, out of your this, anal. <laughs> That's gonna Keep going. This is amazing. Go ahead.
1: Uh, no, so the, the Kanye more extreme, um, yeah. um uh again, that creative. So lead with that four where Van Gogh was almost engineer-like in the creation that he was making. Five wing four. Sherlock Holmes. Also a five. So think about like a lot of fives. Uh I have an analyst on the team I work on. I may never see him again. And he's a five. Because he's like, I don't have to be around salespeople. I don't have to be around marketing people. Like I can be by myself in my apartment doing my own thing that's highly analytical. Sherlock struggled with interpersonal communication, very much an introvert, but incredibly smart, incredibly analytical. Five. Oprah. The definition of a three. Very image conscious, highly driven. You can imagine Oprah standing in front of her team and setting a goal. One of the challenges of the threes, they tend to set, um, here's where we're going step 10, and they forget to lay out step one through nine. They leave that for the, the one, uh, ones are great integrators. So if you're a three, get yourself an integrator. Hey, I'm going to cast a vision. Here's where we're going at 10. And then the integrator one comes in and says, okay, now let's lay out the detailed plan. Harry Potter. I'm going to get myself in trouble. There's actually a ton of debate on this, which sounds like the nerdiest thing I'll ever say in my it life. Is. Yep. I'm actually, you just cut that out too. Um, so either a six or a nine. So in that nine, highly, very humble, very, um, uh, he deflects any any of the the greatness about him. But as a six, deeply loyal highly skeptical but ready for any disastrous situation if you know somebody who's a true six if you, so you give them something bad like well you know um a customer just had a complaint about our service oh that's it i'm getting fired we're all going out of business like that's the immediate train of thought and so he's ready for that disastrous situation to arise michael jordan the eight of all eight wing eight uh, in that, I mean, you for those who watched the documentary, it came through in that one of the differences between folks who are a three and an eight, threes want to win, they will win, they will achieve eights. Want to dominate when, when they're up four at the end of the game, it's like we want to be up 10. You, you have a football coach who's up, you know, 60 at the end of a football game, they're going for the touchdown, not kicking the field goal or kneeling, they want to dominate. And really, unhealthy, I would say, unhealthy eight, he had that insatiable desire, like nothing could satisfy him. It was either maybe eight wing seven because of the fun, the golf, the gambling, but that insatiable competitiveness is unhealthy eight tendencies, but eight wing eight for sure.
0: The queen of England. (laughs) I don't know how much you know about the queen of England.
1: I don't know a lot about the queen of England. I, I, I also, it is a good opportunity to say sometimes your role does change your type and how it might show up. People say, well, how can that matter? If you're in commercial contracting you're going to learn some eight tendencies. Why? Because conflict is the language of the industry. So if you're not comfortable with conflict conflict, and you're on a work site all day, you're going to quickly become used to conflict. For her, she's in a highly political, everything she says matters. She can't come out and just say whatever she wants. So... General tendency is a six where she's got to think about like everything she says, highly anxious. But um well, I just lost a show on Netflix that uh that I was watching. It kind of shows her up. I would say like more of a two. Like, she was a helper, she had a kind of a light touch. Um, but as she moved into that role, I I I'd say six. Muhammad Ali. Mm. If I gave a type, I'd say the performer, if ever there's been a better performer in the the ring than Muhammad Ali. So certainly that three achiever performer uh, label fits. He also had such a high social justice factor throughout his career, which makes you think like that one, that person who's seeking things to be fair and right. And your ones who are seeking things to be fair and right will do it no matter the face of consequence. It doesn't matter. What is right matters. The consequence doesn't. You saw, I mean, a lot of that in 2020 of the people who really reacted in the face of a lot of the conversations around racial reconciliation. Those ones of social justice folks, they were going to make sure what was right was done no matter the consequence. So I'd say three with a high one.
0: Samwise. From Lord of the Rings, Uh,
1: he's a two, so perfect teammate. Like just came around, always encouraging, always saying, "Hey, we're we're here. We got to go to Mordor. We're almost to Mount Doom. Like we this, we can do this." Giving like a lot of rallying speeches, putting uh, others' needs before himself. Very typical two.
0: Just two more. Uh, One more, actually. Joan of Arc. (laughs) Um. Which I don't even know why I'm asking that one. The, my, my producer asked me to ask that one. So let me. I barely I, know who Joan of Arc is. Sure. She's in France. She's a chick. She's a warrior. That's all I know.
1: So let's 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 go. Let's figure this out then. So uh, had an altruistic benefit, seeking something outside of herself. To saw an injustice in France, and and went to war to do that. So one maybe, and then two, twos are driven to help. So they hear something. There's a need, and they jump at it. So with my limited high school history, world history knowledge, I'd go one, wing two.
0: All right. So let's go back to working ourselves th- through numbers. Let's do one through seven. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, but I know you could go longer and we could go longer <laughs> in this than, than <laughs> listeners have for this. This is not, uh, you know, Joe Rogan just go on for <laughs> three or four hours, and uh, which I love his podcast when I get the energy to listen to it, which is the only when I'm driving across the entire country. <laughs> But nonetheless, we're 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 not going to be three four hours. So let, let's let's help everybody a little bit. A one.
1: So a one again, think about that's your perfectionist, your improver. Ones had the hardest time during the initial point of quarantine. Here's why: Every, they want to control everything in a good way. They want to control the steps and the process and the outcome. And what happened is everything was taken away from them and everything was taken out of their control. So I think about um, my kids. All of a sudden, they're at home school. There's no school. We don't know what's happening with school. And so my wife is, is, has a high want. Her desire to create the schedule, build the schedule to control is taken away. So for a one, two things. One, find something that you can control. Find a project that you own every step of the outcome until it's done. You'll love that. You'll find peace and happiness in this. And then we talked about each of these with unhealth. Oftentimes in periods of chaos, Ones go to high logic, no emotion. It becomes very logical. What's the next thing that has to be done? What's the next thing that has to be done? And what happened in a marriage, as a leader of a team, if you start to miss out on that emotional connection of what others need around you, it causes challenge. So, as a one, I would step back and say, Are there other people, my spouse, my kids, the folks on my team, who I've just been like, boom, here's the next thing? Boom, here's the next thing. Where are we on this? How do we get better on this? And stop, say, Hey, how are you doing? I appreciate you. If a one's around a two, that's when you have to say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. If one's around a three, hey, how can I help you achieve? And so really two things, find a project that you can control every step of the way and the outcome. And then two, stop, realize where you might be going all logic, no emotion, and try to interject some emotion for some folks around you.
0: Help our twos. What should they be thinking in 2021? Yeah. Um Two things. I want to give
1: maybe some help. To a two and those who are around a two. So as a two, if I'm staring, if I'm interacting with an unhealthy two, what's happening is they're putting others' needs before their own all the time. And what happens is if that is not appreciated, they become a bit of a martyr. So you can hear twos who are unappreciated will often come across like, why am I the only one who's willing to do that? Why does it always have to be me that does that task? And so that's a, that's a bit of an unhealthy two. So the recommendation for a two, one, put yourself first. Do something for yourself so that you feel that. And then the recommendation, if you have a two, if you're listening and you either have a spouse who's a two or sounds like a two or you work on a team with the two, push pause. And go tell them thank you. They need to be appreciated. Yeah, that's- And not to go too far deep, threes, sevens, and eights can often take advantage of twos because you're moving fast, you're going, you're going, and you all of a sudden start to realize that that person is always stepping in to help. They're always taking care of that thing that needs to be done, and they do it with excellence. And so you move so fast, you forget to stop and say, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I appreciate what you just did. And that is fuel to the fire of a two. If there's a two listening, they're like- uh, amen. Like that Intense, real gratitude from someone else is fuel to the fire of a two.
0: Okay. Help the threes.
1: So a couple of things on threes. One, in a time similar to eights, in a time when we're still stuck inside, there might be some stagnancy. Create goals that you can achieve. What threes want to do is Um, find something they can control. So what happens, like right now, everything seems to be outside of our control. We set business goals, then something happens outside of our control. So you want to be able to find something you control. If it's weight loss, if it's how much you bench press, if it's something you want to do, create a goal that you can create the plan and control. That's one. Two, an unhealthy three is finding their identity in the words of affirmation of others. And as we all know, certainly I feel affirmation from others is fleeting because the moment you do a great job and someone tells you you did a great job, the next day you're going to screw up. And so that's going to come. So that, that high of words of affirmation of others is going to come down. And so seeking your identity in a way that says, it doesn't necessarily matter what others think of me. I love it. I want to be appreciated and affirmed, but I don't want to ride the highs and lows of whether people like me or not. Help the fours. Get a project. So fours are creative be, fours are thriving. I mean, you, you, the internet is doing great uh, in this day because there's so much creativity out there. There's new creative space. Fours and fives, we'll talk about next, have been forced into a bit of isolation and and creativity. They have time to do make to
0: do creative projects. The one thing about Fours um, is- And their pre- creative projects can be seen because we have the internet now where they couldn't have been seen 20 years ago. Exactly.
1: Yeah, the medium creates that. The one thing about Fours, um, they do have, they can- have a bit of a dark undertone. So just think about the, like the Kanye West, great comedians who were fours. Robin Williams was a four. Um they have a bit of that that dark undertone. So in a time when you are forced into isolation, the the encouragement to a four would be schedule coffee with a friend. Go get some interpersonal communication where you can talk about who you are and how you're feeling. It'll be really be impactful versus staying at home all the time.
0: Help our fives.
1: So fives are fives can tend to be thriving during time with this. I mentioned the analyst that I work with who's like, I may never come back to the office again because you, you, salespeople talk too much and slow me down. So fives, dive into that hobby. So now we have a little bit more time. So fives are into, uh, if they're into video games, dive into the video games. If you're into motorcycles, I would say some of the folks that I've listened to you interview who are high fives have the deepest hobby. They're, don't, they're not just into it. They're deep into it. So dive into the hobby, create some fun out of that. And that's where you'll start to thrive uh, knowing that you're, you're in a bit of isolation now. And, and what's the descriptor of a five again? An analyst, engineer, analyst engineer high okay. logic. Yeah, they're just going to be the people who don't have 10 hobbies. They have one hobby, but they are infinitely wise in that hobby. Six. Getting around people who you trust to ask questions and expose your, whatever word we want to use, fears, concerns, who you trust their information. So on the personal side, it's friendships, leaning into friendships. On the work side, if, if um, if you're feeling like the organization is changing, the organization is shifting, is my job at risk? Ask those questions. Find a leader, someone at the company who is willing to say, "I either I know the information or I don't. Sixes have to be able to express their their, um, emotions, their distrust of the scenario. But the encouragement to a six is once you have all the information, trust the person who you're talking to. Find someone you trust. And seven. (laughs) So as a a seven. uh, Two things. One, find ways to manifest fun. There are ways to have fun. And I know April, May, we were getting outside all the time. It was going hiking. We were going camping. It was like, okay, we can't do all these other things we normally do. We can't go on vacation. Let's manifest fun. The, uh, you know, At some point in time, uh, again, Enneagram 202, when we talk about marriages, you if you have a high three or a high one spouse and you're a seven, and, and that high three, high one, you come home at the end of a week and you've been at home, I guess you're at home, and there's nothing fun on the horizon, that is – a death knell to a 7. So create that fun. Communicate the emotion. Like I got to have we got to create a weekend getaway. We got to go camping, create that fun. The other thing for 7s just to be aware of and get something I'm working on personally, if if the moment is not fun for a 7, they'll do two things. They'll look back on how fun the past was or they'll look forward to how fun the future is. And what they do is they miss the moment. So I find with my kids all the time. I find myself in the moment. This this is not good. You know, screaming, run around, or it's like. But man, remember that last year. Last year was awesome. Last Christmas was so good. This coming Christmas is gonna be awesome. Be a little bit older, and all of a sudden, it's like I've totally missed the moment. Sevens struggle to be present, mm-hmm. so the encouragement to a seven is be present
0: instead of looking back or looking forward, which is the natural tendency. There's so many layers to this. There's the you know the layer as a leader, what kind of leader you are, how how to lead. There's the layer of how to understand and lead or help people who are different than you. But one layer that's actually, I think kind of scary to get into, we should just for a little bit here is, is the layer of what if I'm dating somebody who is this different number? What if I'm married to somebody who's a different number? And I don't want to freak some people out, but let's, let's just do that potentially anyway. <laughs> are there any two numbers on here that if you're dating you should absolutely not get married. And are there any two numbers on here where if you're married, this is exactly why your marriage is so tough?
1: Okay. You're going to accuse me of not giving you a direct answer. So I apologize in That's advance. All
0: right. As uh, long as that is the answer.
1: Yes. So uh, I'll give you an example. Two threes. Uh, so I said I have a high three. My wife has a high three. Two threes can either thrive. you got two achievers, two driven folks, two people who are setting goals. They're climbing the ladder of their careers or everything they take on. They're getting after it. They're dedicated. They're image conscious. Their kids look great. Their house looks great. That, that's the healthy side of two threes. The downside in potential unhealth of two threes is you find yourself competing with your spouse. Your spouse gets a promotion. And instead of being like, hey, congratulations, go celebrate. It's like, <clears throat> why is she getting ahead? what am I going to do? Or is she making more money than me? No, I've got, uh, I got to get the promotion and bitterness can arise and competitiveness within a marriage. So that's a, 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 a bit of a watch out of two threes, which can be amazing and, and can also, it can have got some it. challenges as with any number. The one thing I would say about marriages, what I've learned, because my wife and I talk this, this is also the language of our marriage. The point of it in the Enneagram is to see that your spouse is not wrong in the way they see the world. That's just the way they see the world. My wife has a high one. We can walk into a room, into a restaurant, and walk out, and I'll be like, that was amazing. Did you see how they designed? I I love the aesthetic feel. The, The wine was great. It was amazing. And she'll say you know, I really didn't like, my salmon was a bit overcooked and I thought, you yeah, know, they could have done a better job. And it's not because, and so for me, I could see like, that's ungrateful. How could she do that? And she's like, I'm just constantly, my brain is thinking, how can I improve that? How can I improve that? So as her and I personally interact, if I do something, I'm like, hey, look at what I did. Isn't this amazing? And she's like, yeah, but you missed a spot and you could have done that better. I'm like, well, Where's the where's the appreciation? I'm a words of affirmation person. For me, what I have to recognize, she's an improver. She's just like, how do I lean into that? So it's really about understanding uh, how do you recognize that the worldview of the person you're married to or the person you're leading at a team is not wrong. You're not trying to change that. You're trying to learn it, understand it, and adapt the way that you converse with that person for the
0: best fit. That makes sense because one of the things that I really, really hate is the phrase "soulmate"? Mm. I hate that. For I hate that concept, this idea that God has one person created for you, and when you find that person, they're going to be the perfect person for you, and you're going to mesh together. Life. That's not true. That's not true. I. I don't believe. God has one person for you. I believe there are hundreds or thousands of people you could marry or who could marry you. I, I just, I, I just believe that. I don't think who you're going to marry is predestined by God more than what you're going to order on a menu. I know it sounds really weird to people, but anybody who's been married for 32 years can say, I could have married to any number of people. And my wife probably could have married to way more people than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, but as I think of that and I go through the thing, I can think of all those numbers how it would be awesome to be married to one of those numbers as an eight, or how it could be awful married yeah. to one of those numbers as an eight.
1: And think of, you said 32 years. Think of it, you're still learning your spouse. Like, that, the, it's not like you came to a place of arrival, like, oh my gosh, now I understand Lib so well. And I, it is easy to think, um, oh, what if I was married to a, 7 but I like I know for example our the way that our house looks and the, how organized our life is is because my wife is an amazing improver. <laughs> so I, and I'm not. Our, we would be a mess if I if I ran our life. So I just like those good sides, the healthy sides of each number are what's important to recognize in your spouse and to know uh, for example not to be long-winded here but as a 7 one of the things you have, you have a, a wing 7 the phrase you have to is like It makes my skin crawl. Sevens hate to be told what to do. Do not tell me what to do. I always tell the story when I was a kid, if my mom would leave for the day and I'd be like, I think you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean up my room. That's what I'm going to do today. And she'd yell up from the basement, you know, from the bottom of the stairs, Nick, you have to clean up your room today. My immediate response is, I am not cleaning up my room today because you just told me I have to. So language matters. My wife and I talk a lot. It's like a check in the spirit. If she's like, hey, you know what we have to do today? She'll stop and be like, okay. Okay. I have an idea of what we could do today. It's like, I hear that better than being told what I have to do today.
0: This is probably why organizations and cultures are so different from one to the other. And in my line of work, churches are. Because how you would preach then would affect who you're attracting. Like, I think of some of these anal preacher guys, I'm not gonna name them (laughs) by name, but some of them just really bother me and annoy me. And, And that's basically... You have to, you must, you might, you know, and they have, they even have like mm, yeah. their ministries even has the word grace in there for some of them. Like, do you know nothing about grace? You know a lot about judgment, You know anything about grace, you know, you have to, but, but that is attractive to a heck of a lot of people. A lot of people are like, Oh, that's what church is. You're telling what I have to do.
1: So one of the more um, uh, confounding things I've heard recently is that teams, companies, uh, teams and companies take on the personality of their leader. So if you just started to take, what's the Enneagram number of Crossroads? What's the Enneagram number of the company I work for? The Enneagram number of Crossroads, for me, the church you lead, is eight wing seven. And why is that? Because you lead Crossroads. And so it's high challenge. It's high fun. It's high adventure. It's high, like you push out, be aggressive, make change, to make major impact in the world. That's awesome. So all those good things. As the leader of a team or a company or a church the thing to slow down and think is what are the weaknesses or the unhealthy pieces of that that I have to be aware so for me as a leader of a team I've got to slow down and say okay I have a low one I've got to make sure my team is doing the administrative tasks because I'm not pushing them because I have a low one
0: you're saying that God didn't call Crossroads to be the way it is but that Crossroads is the way it is because of I am who I am I think you're Ow! <laughs> uh,
1: only in the good ways. Ow. None of the bad ways. All right,
0: good. Only in the good ways. Jeez, that's deep.
1: The, and a leader's personality has a deep impact on the culture of the team that they're leading. It just is. the way that you communicate, the way that, the way that you lead. And that is both encouraging, think of all the amazing things Crossroads has done, Yeah, and challenging.
0: Yeah, I can receive that and totally go along with that now. As a 30-year-old, mm-hmm. I, I thought that you know my way was the Bible way. Uh, you know, I'm, I've seasoned enough to say, oh, no, I'm, my, my way is definitely not the Bible way. I need one another, and we need to be one another and one another, and we need that, you know?
1: And, I, and you've pushed me on this. And I think it's worth talking about. Um, as you and I have engaged over the last three years about this, and I just had a friend the other day push me on this and say, like, man, you're referencing the Enneagram more than you're referencing the Bible. Um, and for me, that was a good challenge. It was like, okay, the, the reality, I want my kids to to know God, and so I want them to get that from the Bible. And I want them to know who they are. And certainly the Bible is going to tell them that. But something like the Enneagram self-discovery is going to allow me, allow us as marriages, allow us as leaders of teams, allow us as parents to understand each other better, to make those differences of like, I know who I am. Therefore, if I know who I am and you know who you are and we know each other, the level of trust and transparency and vulnerability that's going to be there, like, That's what makes a lot of the work I do with teams now is really driven. Like, everything's changed. The way we sell has changed. The way we talk to our consumers has changed. The way we get together has changed. Like, what happens? Like, everything's changed. How do we interact? If we know each other in time of crisis, our communication will be clearer. It'll be more trustworthy. I can say things that are hard to you, but in a way that I know how you'll receive them better. That's just learning the team and the people you're
0: around. Anything we should have gotten into that we haven't gotten into?
1: No, I think, to your point, there are so many layers to this. I do want to say, I think people, certainly in the conversations that I have, um, you cannot be typed. You cannot be put in a box. I don't think this is the end-all be-all. My hope in our conversation today was really to help people in understanding themselves. If they understand themselves, really then to understand their spouse and how they're leading their teams and their cultures and their organizations. Uh, And and the last thing I would say is, if you can't have fun with a personality type, of, of any kind, then don't do it. it I, INTJ, whatever it might be. If you're just getting down into the weeds, and sometimes I get on these enneagram sites, and it's like, oh my goodness, that is not fun at all. As a seven, like this is fun for me. We're having like we're having fun conversation. Just have some fun with it.
0: Nick, if someone wants to follow up with you, if they want to learn more about your stuff, maybe they want you to coach the organization, yeah. yada, yada, go ahead and pump your stuff.
1: Yes. So two things, uh, actually, at uh, your encouragement. So thank you. I started a uh, a company, no surprise. It's actually called the Seven Co. Uh, so I'm an Enneagram Seven. So uh, we're, our mission statement is to have fun on purpose. And so we're creating companies that are all about having fun with purpose. And so um, one of those things we do is take um, leadership teams through through Enneagram coaching, just like you and I. Everybody would take the test and then we'd have a session just like this. And the goal of those sessions is to understand if I know myself and I know my team, the folks on my team, and we're in a whitewater phase of business. Um, how do we communicate with more trust and transparency? You can reach out n-g-spiker s at gmail.com is the email for that. Uh, I'd love to help. It's a passion for mine. So uh folks will often call me and it's like, oh yeah, it's already asked you this question. It's like,
0: I I love. To help. so yeah, right. ngspoikerts <laughs> at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> I can't get away with saying it like that. I would sound ridiculous.
0: But it is my favorite. Uh, Nick, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Oh, we didn't tell you. Is there a webpage right there or just an yeah, email?
1: the7code.com. The www.the7code.com. Um, and, and, yeah, reach out. We'd love to help.
0: Nick, thanks for enlightening us, helping us. It has been a good time. Boys and girls, if you like this, Go ahead and share it with somebody. Give us a good review. Spread the love. Let's get into as many minds and hearts as possible. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression. sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.